0: Amen, Matthew chapter six, and um, I wanna see if I can share a few thoughts on, uh, it's affectionately called the Lord's Prayer. Um, <clears throat> it's actually, he, the, the, the disciples ask them to teach, teach us to pray, it's, and, and uh, both the King J, James Version and the NIV it, it says, after this manner. So it gives you a, a, a pattern to pray. And uh, most of you know it off by heart, and many of you probably pray something or something similar to that. Um, But it was interesting, as you read in context, that before we get to what's known as the Lord's Prayer, he tells us what not to do. And uh, very typically, uh, we do the opposite. So he begins to lay out a few cautions, um, you know, not to just recite things on, without thinking about them, which we many times do with the very Lord's Prayer. And um, so I'm interested in these cautions that he lays out. So I want you to, I think I to, the, this on the screen will only be verses uh, <clears throat> probably 8, 9, and 10, I think. Did I have, do I have the whole, pa- oh, good, thank you. Let's read it. I'm reading from the uh, New Living Translation. <clears throat> and now about prayer. When you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites, love to pray publicly on street corners and in synagogues where everybody can see them. I assure you, that's all the reward that they will ever get, Uh, the reward. There's a reward in prayer. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, pray to your father secretly, then your father, who knows all secrets, will reward you. Verse seven, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered only by repeating these words again and again. And the last caution don't be like them because your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. He's saying, when you come to pray, don't come begging. This is meant to give us perspective. And, and he says, whatever you do, remember, when you come to pray, it's not your words, it's not your repetition. We could probably say it's not your volume. <laughs> we could probably say there's more to it than just words. He says, be careful, don't just use words. One version calls it vain, v- v- uh, vain babblings or vain imaginations. Don't, don't come with just using words, and my question this week uh, that maybe we're trying to answer this morning is how does prayer work? Is it specifically the words? Is it specifically, well, maybe if we say them over and over and over and over and over again, maybe maybe it has something to do with a certain s- formula, or maybe if I pray it just like this, and, and, and I think if you read the rest of the chapter, You'll find out what he says later is, don't be like the pagans. So in many ways, he's contrasting paganism with how we are meant to pray. And he says, when we come to pray, the first thing you say is our father. I had a hearty conversation with my father-in-law last week where he said the Lord's prayer was meant to be prayed my father. I said, it's not. When we come to pray, we remember, first of all, the the pronouns in what's known as the Lord's Prayer is always our. We're to be aware of others when we gather to pray. It's not just about me and my agenda or my grocery list. It's about what's happening around us, in our family, in our church, in our world. And so this this is a a profound, pattern or a profound perspective is when we come to pray. Now, I personally think that there's probably two uh, determining factors of how your relationship with the Lord is going predominantly, and that is your time in the Scriptures and your time in prayer. If your time in the Scripture is non-existent and your time in prayer is non-existent, your relationship with the Lord probably could be said is non-existent as well. Because you, you, you can't, I can't have a relationship with someone if I'm not in communication with them. How long would a marriage ever last without, well, maybe it would last a little better for something, for, but <clears throat> point being, um, he, he then later on, I'm going to read the Lord's Prayer in Luke chapter 11. Um, now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples i thought this interesting introduction to this, and that's Luke 11. When Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of them said, um, the NLT says, they came to him as he finished. It's interesting. Hey, I, guess, I guess there's a time to pray and a time to be finished praying. Somebody asked me, how long do you pray? I said, until I'm done. <laughs> Sometimes I don't quit all day because I'm not done. You haven't, like, busted through yet. You're, right? There's a, and the busting through is not with God, by the way, is with us. <laughs> He's eager to get through to us more than we are to get through to him. Um, it's quite interesting, though, I think this, because he, he in Luke chapter 11, he talks about uh, persistent prayer. Then he gives a story about um, when someone comes at midnight and knocks on the door and how to keep praying. He, but I think what Jesus is trying to remind us of is both the pattern, the process, and I could probably say the priority of prayer. If Jesus needed to pray, hello, we need to pray. <laughs> and there's so many different styles of prayer. I'm talking generically today about prayer. But, um, but prayer is such a powerful thing. And when I look at the rhythms in Jesus' life, I found that one of the things, because remember, he emptied himself. He came as a man, emptied himself, set aside his deity, came as a man. And um, and. Um, And it's interesting because I often get asked of young ministers, um, uh, how do I balance my life in ministry? And I said, well, look at Jesus. And then after looking at Jesus, you realize he did not lead a balanced life. Sometimes he'd spend all night in prayer. Sometimes he'd spend like days just with people. Sometimes he'd go without eating. It was unbalanced. But it was in tune with his father. And learning to function in harmony with what the Heavenly Father is doing and saying. This was Jesus' key in ministry. So uh, we, just in in reflection over the last few weeks, we've learned uh, learned about the power of personal choice as image bearers. And I I live with this conviction, knowing that if I don't do something, something won't get done. I live with this conviction uh, that 26 and a half years ago when I came to here, before I came to Calgary, the Lord told me very clearly that you will reach some that no one else will reach. I live with that conviction, knowing I will reach some people that others won't. And I also live knowing that when I pray, something happens that wouldn't have happened if I didn't pray. Because prayer realigns stuff. If you don't pray, the prayers that you've been called to pray, they won't get prayed. We can pray on behalf of another, of course, it's called the intercession, we can do that. But, Personally, you've got your own agenda, and you're responsible for your own personal agenda of prayer. And he said, "We're also the we other thing we learned is that uh, we have been given power and authority, and with power and authority comes responsibility. So we've been given responsibility, and and lastly, that God doesn't force us to do anything. He cannot and will not violate your free will." With those in mind, of course, we establish a few other things about God's good all the time, and a few of those things. But just learning and knowing that, when we look at before we as we look at this prayer, um, we know that we can't enforce our will on another because God doesn't enforce His will on us. It's a personal choice. And uh, if you listen sometimes to how people pray, it sounds like they're enforcing their will on another person. That's called witchcraft. So, he, he tells us what not to do. And I love, because he, he uses the word reward a couple of times. And if we're not careful, we'll forget that there's a reward through prayer and intercession. There is a reward. Um, he doesn't say, don't pray publicly. He, he, what he means, he's going to later on, he, he addresses um, that about, about praying publicly. What he's saying is, you don't pray publicly to impress other people. <laughs> he says it's like the hypocrites do. So, he's saying... In, in, in our prayers, don't be hypocritical. Don't try to impress people with your beautiful words. Um, uh, uh, he reminds us and encourages us to pray privately. Um, and it's, but it's not an admonition not to pray publicly like we just did. Because we're in, encouraged to do things in agreement with others. But what I think he's trying to get through is that don't go public with something that you haven't went private with First. Go in and shut the door, get yourself sorted out with God, and then go public with it, and you won't try to impress people with your fancy words. I think that's what he means. The other warning was uh, about formulas. And, um, and I read in, in verse 7, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. Um, <clears throat> that's interesting. How does it say in the ESV, verse 7? And when you pray, don't he- heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they'll be heard for their many words. That's convicting to me, because I like words. If, if if it's not the words that's important, what is important? It's the attitude and the heart behind what you're pray, how you're praying. And this is what he's trying to get through when he gives us a pattern for prayer. It's not the words. And we we're going to get some words printed over here. The words are awesome, but the words are a pattern for prayer, not to be repeated as a formula for prayer. Are you with me? That's what, that's, what the, that's what he's trying to, to get at, um, not a formula. And, I, and I, okay, let me just say this very kindly to my um, spirit-filled, evangelistic, evangelical brothers. Um, the idea of slapping a little mantra on the end in Jesus' name, that, because we're told to pray in Jesus' name, but not as a formula. Not as a superstition. Okay, that prayer didn't work. You didn't say in Jesus' name. That kind of goofy stuff. It's a nice little mantra to repeat just, and, and um, you know, I'm, I'm notorious for that. Because it's just part of, the, but it's not, I just want us to be careful about the formula of it. That's, that's what he's guarding us from here. Yeah, you pray in Jesus' name, but, but don't slap it on as a little seal at the end of the prayer and say, I did it right. It's about, Who is Jesus and what did he complete and what did he finish and who was he? Pray in that spirit. That's what he means. Okay, and the authority that Christ gives us. Vain vain repetitions is one of the reasons, uh, uh, the the warning against vain repetitions is one of the reasons he's given us this model of prayer. Don't repeat it vainly and don't just repeat it vainly. That's what he, so he's he's warning us about that. I think I've made my point. The biggest question about, prayer that we have to understand i think is that it's answered before we begin it well then why do it the ultra calvinist would say well why pray if the answer's already done well that's a great question a wonderful we'll answer that this morning not likely but he says don't miss this Don't be like them because your father knows exactly what you need even before you begin. Well, then why should I pray? Selah. What if prayer's purpose is preparation for what the Lord is about to provide for us? (laughs) What if that's it? That it's about getting myself ready to receive all that the Lord has for me? That means when I come to him, I have to believe that he's a good, good father. And he's trying to get some things to me. Am I ready to receive them? Not that he doesn't, he's trying to withhold anything from us. <laughs> <clears throat> what a warning. He already knows what we need before we ask. What a, what a warning. But if we're not careful, we'll come rather like a son or a daughter. We'll come like a slave or like an orphan and we'll come Begging. Thinking that if I just ask again, and if I just ask again, and if I just ask again, that it's going to come to pass. He said, no, be careful about that, because I know everything uh, you need before you have it. I know exactly what you need even before you come to me. He said, don't come to me. Don't come to prayer begging. That's a profound thought. It's very convictional for me. One version says, in this manner, or this pattern, not a substitute for our prayers, but he says, in this manner. Prayer is not getting man's will done on earth as it is in heaven. It's getting, it's getting God's will established on earth, not mine. <clears throat> that changes our focus, changes my focus anyway. So prayer is not meant to overcome God's reluctance, but to get a hold of his willingness. That's what prayer is meant to do on the inside of us. Um, what a pattern, what a powerful pattern. We're to begin, we are part of a bigger body and we're, we're to begin prayer not thinking about ourselves but about our self collectively in the world. Our Father, our Father, our. And that frame of reference and forgive us our trespasses which is a form of intercession because we realize it's not, it's not, this isn't about me, it's about ours what's happening to those around me. In prayer, we settle kingdom business before the king. And may I, if I could ask you, what would your prayer be like, uh, what would your prayer specifically, your prayer time be like, if you weren't fighting the devil, or begging for provision? (laughs) What if the devil's already been taken out? And what if provision has already been accomplished and provided for? What if? So when we come to, when we come to prayer, we're not primarily fighting; <clears throat> we're resting, and we're establishing, and we're affirming what God has already accomplished and the purposes that He's already provided for us. <clears throat> he says, "He says, don't pray like the pagans." Uh, later on in verse thirty-two, uh, where it says, "Why be like the?" Pagans who are deeply concerned about these things. Your heavenly Father already knows your needs. So otherwise, if you're not careful, you will start to pray. When we start to pray, give us this day our daily bread. If if he's already provided, why do we have to pray it? It's a a convicting thought. Let's let's see if we get that far. Our Father, what a truth. Um, We are either transformed into his image or we transform him into a reflection of ourself. <clears throat> so unless I come being willing to be shaped, being willing to be transformed, and to be willing to admit that I can't see and open my eyes so I can see you as you really are, that I can be conformed to that image, not commanding or demanding you be reduced to my reflection of who I think you should be. That posture is what he's inviting us to. Um, prayer is a transforming process. If Egypt is still in your heart, you will see God only as a deliverer. Just get us out, Lord. Rather than, rather than empower us to fulfill your purpose on the earth. Just get us out of here. Um, and, uh, and if we only see him as a deliverer, we'll only reach out when we're in need. If Egypt is still in your heart, you will see him as a taskmaster. And all you'll want to do is to please him, because that's what slaves do. We make the master, we, we, we appease the master by doing his work. We appease, appease the taskmaster by performance. If Egypt is still in your heart, you'll see him as a taskmaster and just want to please him. We, pre, we, we create the image of God from our projections. And when we come to prayer, we lay down our projections. They can be totally in conflict with what the Bible reveals. But this can be changed in a place of prayer. The Father, only Jesus preferred to reveal him. Sorry, the Father is how Jesus preferred to reveal him to us and restore what was lost. So one of the first things that we do in prayer is we calibrate our heart from religiousness. Not so, boy, you must really be happy I'm here praying, Lord. I'm such a good boy. (laughs) Harden Hardness in our hearts gets softened in the place of prayer. We're not trying to appease a deity. We're trying to trust the Father who's trying to get things to us. Children of a loving, powerful, generous Father lack nothing. So we calibrate who he says he is and who he says I am in prayer. Religion will stop you from seeing God as Father and turn him into either a master or a monster. Our Father. If you don't begin the prayer with our Father, you will come as a slave, as a beggar, or as an orphan. But we come as a son or a daughter. This needs to be established before we move any further into the prayer. And we can probably just spend much of our time in personal prayer with just those two words. And if you can get that, you can go any place. But if you don't get that, you'll actually go into this begging for him to provide for you when he already has done that. That's a powerful thought. Biblical prayer is using our authority to establish his will on earth in my life and my spheres of influence. He, and and, and so, so then he says, our Father, um, our Father in heaven, may your name be honored, which, which may uh, equally be said, Let your name be holy. This is so critical because because God self-revealed Himself through Scripture, which is why Psalm 138 says that His Word and His Word works with His name. The, The name you can't separate His name from the Word. So when we understand who He is, when I get to understand He's revealed Himself, let your name be honored. What is His name? One of His names is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord, who will, you will be able to see the provision that I'm bringing to you. If you have a revelation of Jehovah Jireh, you will not lack for anything. You will just have to position your heart to receive what he's about to deliver. If, he, if you understand he has been revealed at Jehovah Rophi, you don't even need to come to him and ask for healing. You can just accept it. Honored or hallowed, uh, holy. Be your name. In prayer, we remind ourselves who God is and who he says we are. It's a big thing. He's revealed himself. And since you and I are created in his likeness and we're becoming more and more like him, the importance of us understanding who, how he's revealed himself to us is so important. Uh, in paganism... Pagans, the pagan lifestyle was asking for a life, asking for a sacrifice. In Christianity, in followers of Christ, we understand that he gave his life for us, not asking our life for his primarily. Don't be like the pagans. Uh, he's a father, not a master. And it's a huge deal to not see our God from a pagan perspective. The ancient gods were selfish and wanted more and more and more, and even kings would just ask for servant, servanthood. But we are sons and we are daughters. Our God is different, and seeing how He laid down His life for others, we can do that too. When I come to, and I realize, oh, that's who He is, now I can give my life for other people and remove the selfishness from my heart. When I attribute to God what is contrary to His name, I take His name in vain. Understanding that He is my righteousness. Jehovah Sidkenu. I'm just accepting, uh, you have provided all that I need. If I think I have to do something to be right before him, I'm taking his name in vain. When, when, when he is Jehovah Shalom, when I think I need to do something for peace rather than release his peace within me, I'm taking his name in vain. Thy kingdom come. When we embrace him as a loving father, now we can function as a son or a daughter of the king. Thy king, may your kingdom come soon. May your kingdom come. You know, I've been thinking recently about why the Lord hasn't returned yet, and I, I think it may, it may equally be why what happened in Egypt. Why didn't the Lord come and release them earlier from Egypt? I don't think a cry went up. we're we're told that the last, the end days church will be an intercessory church that will be praying for the Lord to come. What if we're so in love with our comfort rather than praying for his coming, we're praying for our comfort? What if he's waiting for us to cry out, even so, come Lord Jesus. We want to see you. Are we ready to see him? Are we we excited to see him? He said, those who are, are, are looking for me, that's who I'll come for. Are we looking for him or are we trying to relieve some of the pressure from our life? Praying for just our kids to get in order. <laughs> Praying for just our retirement package to look just right. What we'll was just way to, uh, Kelly uh, used to pray this, I hope I'm not saying too much, but if I am I'll hear about it on the way home. She didn't, she wanted, she didn't want the Lord to come before she could get married and, and enjoy a, a married life, which she's now enjoyed much of our married life with me. <laughs> But, but you, you, do you hear what I'm saying? What if, what if we're just a little shy to say, even so, come? And what is our attitude in that? Is it just get us out of here? Well, what if, the, but, but he's not willing that any should, should perish. What if he's waiting for just one more? And that, and that attitude needs to be captivated in our hearts. Lord, there's still one that might know you. There's still one that needs some deliverance. There's still one that needs a, but even so, come, Lord Jesus. We, I, I, we, we should take a little bit of time and just imagine the Lord's coming. Not to be where there's no more sorrow and no more pain, not for that, but to, but to see him. Just to see him. Every one of our ideas of what he's like is distorted. But just to see him. Someday we will see him as he is, not as we've made him to be. Come, Lord Jesus, like kingdom come. Getting our identity settled gets us in a profound perspective to pray. Not pleading with God to take action, but using delegated authority based on what Jesus Christ has already done. You and I get to bind and loose on earth. We get to choose. We get to trust his goodness, and we get to choose life. I don't know what you think about this, but... To think that I can do something on earth that affects something in heaven. Or I can do, or something on hev- in heaven I can bring to earth. What a, your kingdom come. my I have something to do with his kingdom coming. What a responsibility. I shouldn't be prayed too fast. Like that's, a, that's a big order. Your will be done. By the way, His kingdom coming and His will being done pardon the grammar, is the same. They're the same. When His kingdom comes and when His will is done, is the same. So He's asked us in this pattern to pray, your will be done and your kingdom come that you and I have a responsibility to play in establishing his kingdom on the earth. The Bible doesn't say that this gospel needs to preach in all the world before he comes. It needs, it says that the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached before he comes in all the earth. Your will, he, he works through us to establish the kingdom and his will on earth that's revealed in his word, his names, and the work of his son, Jesus Christ the only time that his perfect will has been seen on the earth was before the fall in the garden and then in revelation 21 as the new jerusalem comes again understanding there there is a place where there's no tears his will is done there's no more sorrow there's no more suffering he never put suffering or sickness on anybody to teach him a lesson never once not once. It's the goodness of God and his kindness that causes hearts to change and turn. Once we get a revelation of how good he is, we will want to turn. Not forced to turn, but we get to make a choice if we will turn. Such a big deal. His goodness leads us to change. Uh, and, then, and then give us our daily bread. Um, the moment we feel like Adam felt, Now he had all his needs met, but he started to feel that God is withholding something from him, which is why the serpent had his ear. Uh, This passage about about no lack, give us our daily bread, that that today's um, Passion Translation indicates that he was not asking for bread uh, provision for bread that day because it, it says later, you know, don't, your father knows, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to, don't worry about that. Um, he's referring to the living bread. He said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by words that are proceeding from the mouth of God. What if rather than praying for bread, I'm just getting confused with like the keto diet here for a minute, just let me. <laughs> but 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 rather he's saying, pray that we would have living bread, that we'd have a living word, not just physical bread that satisfies for a moment. Well, in my case, when Kelly sourdough, it lasts for a, well, the whole loaf doesn't last long, but the, you know what I mean. But he said, pray for a living word to provide for you spiritually, not just physically. And the moment I know what happens, he um, said, so don't pray like pagans who believe that the master's withholding something Because God lavishes his love, his provision, his peace, understanding that I am loved and highly favored and getting that drilled into my heart. But the moment we feel less than, we'll start to use control or force instead of delegated authority. The moment we start to feel inferior or scarcity, which is very demoralizing, because he already knows what we need before we ask, and there's no need to plead that it's already provided, when Jesus needed something, he, he actually he needed physical bread, and he looked up to heaven, and he re- recalibrated his perspective. And he, oh, and with 5,000 people there, he said, oh, I get it. There's no problem for you. And then he took it, and he broke it and gave thanks, and then he began to distribute it. Getting a heavenly perspective, this is, what, this is what happens in prayer, the changing of our perspective. Lastly, the lifting of burdens, the forgiving of sin. And this is and he goes down further in verse 14 to express it a little bit more, but uh, but important, he says, and, and we're to do this, we're to do this uh, daily. Forgive us our debts; we forgive those who trust. Uh, give us our food for today. Forgive us of our sins, just as we've forgiven those who have sinned against us. He says, for, understand that God's proactive in His forgiveness; that you are already forgiven, past, present, and future. You're already, that's already been looked after in Christ. But because we've prayed those first parts already and we've recalibrated our hearts, we realize, oh, he's provided everything I need, including forgiveness. He is always proactive in his forgiveness. But he's inviting us to make sure that we are not having things against others. Why? Because that will keep us in bondage. It's with others, not between us and God. He later, uh, in verse 14, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you also. But if you refuse to give others, your Father will not forgive your sin. What's the truth about that? The truth is we're already forgiven. He's referring to what we don't let go, what we don't release, what we don't send away, stays with us. The offense that you have with another person stays with you. If you don't release it, he's saying if you learn to release, then you can stay in freedom you won't complicate yourself emotionally or compromise yourself mentally. When you learn to forgive everybody, everything, every day, consistently, live in that spirit of forgiveness, you won't remain in a place of bondage, which is why he came to liberate us. It's a very big thing. He never holds actions or harbors bitterness like we're prone to do. Never any desire to punish. Forgiveness is not declaring an offender innocent that escapes justice, nor does it imply that we trust that person again. It means we free ourselves from the pain of the event. What offense I don't release stays with me in my makeup somewhere, somehow, and can affect me physically, somehow, somewhere. But he says if you'll learn to release everybody of everything. And you'll learn to not harbor bitterness or judgments or offenses in your heart. If you learn to do that, once you understand who I am, what I've done, who you are and who you're able to become, once you understand that, you will be liberated and you will be free. What a great pattern for prayer. But don't just repeat it. You can use it for a guideline. That's completely fine. How does prayer work? Uh, I'll just have the worship team come back up. How does prayer work? Boy, much of my time, for about the last two years, before I pray in the morning, I think, I think, I think it's one of the, he, he anticipated, why would he say give us today if he wasn't referring to morning time? He's saying your best, when you're your best and you're your brightest, calibrate your heart. Calibrate your thoughts. And for the last couple of years, I leave the lights off, I feed the birds my tw- uh, my Twitter feed. <laughs> I put on some music with that's instrumental, and I'll just look outside and say, "Lord, get my head, and my heart, and get me right. Straighten me out. Let those dreams from last mm-hmm. night let them let, let me see them unfolding through this day." Mm-hmm. I think that the best use of our imagination is seeing ourselves as God sees us accurately that the renewing of your mind is not specifically taking a bad thought and replacing it with a good thought. It's understanding completely what Christ has completely done for you and what you're about to do on behalf of Christ. I just love this week, I was with praying with some pastors from our city. A, um, one, of the, one of our pastors moved here from South Africa, his name is Peter Weber, it was uh, diagnosed with inoperable liver cancer. We gathered together to pray and we anointed a cloth with oil, prayed and prophesied through He wasn't able to be at the at the meeting. But, what, where, what? Jesus, what was I? Um, okay, maybe we're done. I was wanting to say something about that. Uh, would you stand with me? Let's just do that. But, oh yeah, so, so part of, renewing our mind is understanding the finished work of Christ, and then begin to see how that f- complete work is worked out within our lives every day. That, that It's so easy to look at the things that we don't like and the faults of others, and it's so easy to do that. But getting your imagination and, and your heart lined up and your thinking lined up with what complete what, what was that work what was the full and complete work in christ and what has he done as a result of that in me and how now can i live that out in my day today i want us to um i want to pray for us that we have a fresh um i'm, I'm just going to say a fresh hunger for prayer uh, not as a duty but as a means of gathering our perspective in a world that's kind of gone a little bit loopy if you're in the foyer, if you're online, I want you to join me in this prayer of faith. Father, I know that you've given us a pattern, but I'm reminded of the priority of prayer. Father, I'm asking today as a church, you said that your house will be a house of prayer for the nations. Let it be so, Lord, as we gather, that we gather ready to contribute and ready to build your kingdom, not tear it apart with thoughts and words and divisions. Lord, I pray for a new priority of prayer in the lives of men and women here today. Those in the foyer and those watching online, a new priority for prayer, not based out of obligation, but out of a true hunger to know you, the living God. I ask today for this body on behalf of them, Lord, I ask you to forgive us for praying prayers that have been unhealthy and selfish. Father, I ask that you could align our heart with yours Lord, I ask that you would once again teach us to pray out of, a, out of an, a fresh identity of who we are as sons and daughters and who you are as a father and a king. Lord, I thank you for the new identity, the royal identity that you've imparted into us and let everything we do come out of that place of total trust in a good, good father. In the name of Jesus and his authority, we pray. Amen. thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.